This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. My name is Grace Johnson, and today I am joined by author Toya Wolf who is going to be one of the featured authors at the Washington Island Lit Festival this September. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So you had your debut novel come out this year, last summer on State Street, right? Yes. 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 So for those who may not have read it yet or have heard about it, can you just give a little rundown on um, what the book is about? Sure. So Last Summer on State Street follows uh, four 12-year-old girls. They are growing up in a housing project. It's called the Robert Taylor Homes. It was on the south side of Chicago. They were these, there were 28 16-story buildings. And the book is narrated by one of the four girls. She's in her 30s now, but she's looking back on the summer when she was 12 years old when she and three of her friends were spending their last summer together they didn't know it at the start of the summer but the city is sort of tearing down all the projects and so that's what disrupts their lives but there are also things happening in their individual homes and this sort of ragtag group of girls uh, who wouldn't normally hang out together they sort of find each other because they all like to jump double dutch mm-hmm. yeah it was it was really really great i just finished it over the weekend and it's only just a little over 200 pages, but it really packs a lot into the pages for sure. And this is a fictional work, but you did grow up or live in the Robert Taylor homes, correct? Yeah, I lived there until I was 18 and went off to college. Uh, and then even a few years after I was away at school, my mother and sister uh, still lived in the buildings. And so I would come home on holidays from college and go right back into the projects. And so when the relocation started, I was sort of privy to all of the terminology and like the process of everything because my family was still going through it. And I was actually working at a community center with young people at the time and that's sort of what sparked the idea for the book that these kids like their whole lives are about to be disrupted um they're gonna have to leave their friends their school their neighborhoods getting torn down and i just sort of started to explore gentrification through the eyes of a little black girl or through a few black girls Mm -hmm. (laughs) and their parents and even sort of that first generation that moved in so you get a lot of perspectives sort of unlikely perspectives on what it means to sort of have your home life disrupted. Yeah. And you had these experiences yourself. Is there a reason why or something that you think you could have told better in a fiction story versus more of like a nonfiction? Yeah, because I actually still feel like I haven't written my my story. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm a fiction writer and I love I love working in fiction because I feel like I get to go crazy with my imagination. And fiction just sort of, it's its always been my go-to form to tell stories. And that doesn't mean I won't pack in like history, mm-hmm. actual places where I spent time. But I just think it, for me, it's like this fun, free form to use yeah. to tell stories. And I don't have to, I do go back and fact check. I like mostly I'm checking my memory against places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't done a lot of research 
for this book. I just sort of know this world. And I had the privilege of having a grandmother like feed me history about, you know, folks who came up from the South in the Great Migration and then what Chicago was like in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And so I've just been sitting on all this information and, um, I feel like fiction gives me the outlet to like really go crazy and get some history down, but also just be creative. These four girls are very different. I grew up with like girlfriends and jumping double. That's just like the girls in the book. Mm -hmm. And I just had an opportunity to, to show four very different types of girls and four different sets of goals. And I just think working in fiction for me it just it allows me to just like really stretch my imagination and blend it with a little bit of sort of just the way things went when I was growing up, like kind of blend that together. I was kind of thinking about this, you know, and we're talking about the main characters of this book are all these 12 year old girls. And yeah, I was thinking about this the other day about coming of age stories. And yeah. I have always really liked those. One of my favorite books was Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury. And that's whole coming of age story and yeah. thinking about it in literature those stories typically follow young boys we don't yeah. see a lot of coming of age stories for girls in that age range we don't was that a conscious decision to you know try to tackle that or did it just kind of you know, it just also happened to be that. You know, so I, when I was in school, when I was an undergrad, I I had all these writing assignments and I would always go back to what I could see. And I just remember having, um, we had this assignment to write a structural parody of, um, it was a Kafka story. And then one of them was um, Barbie the Scrivener by Melville. And so this the book actually started out as a Bartleby parody. It was like a short story. And the idea was that you had one character who was sort of the leader of a group of people. And then they brought in an outsider who completely dis disrupted and destroyed everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and my from a parody, my idea was like, oh, what about a little girl who's like the leader of her group of friends? And they invite someone to join them. And they don't, they don't understand how chaotic her life is and how it's going to disrupt the dynamics of their friendship, but also call into question their allegiance and those sorts of things. So I, I didn't set out to make any big statements. It's just that if you ask me to do an assignment, I'm probably going to think about my life, my world, my culture, and then you're going to end up with black women. So mm -hmm. I think, I think that's sort of how it happened. But like, I'm aware of the problem too. Like I grew up watching a lot of TV shows and films like My Girl and like The Wonder Years. And even when you do get like a child's perspective, they're oftentimes white and they're oftentimes little boys. Mm -hmm. And so I realized along the way, like working on this manuscript, that I was doing something that's, you know, Toni Morrison, there are books that follow like black girlhood, but none of them were set in Chicago and they weren't like, they didn't represent my version of black girlhood and my South Side in the 80s and 90s. And so I think later I started to realize like, wow, this is, this is something that hasn't like we haven't seen this so often and and then I felt proud about it but yeah. initially I just sort of 
I wrote what's like top of mind, yeah. which is what it's like to be a little black girl in that area of the South Side in, in that time period. I loved reading the dynamic between all of these girls and everything yeah. that they were, you know, fighting They're with so and fighting for and, you know, the... There was, I can't remember the exact line, but I remember thinking on one page just, you know, the the high highs that they were experiencing and then the lowest of lows and how, you know, close these interactions were. And then on the next page, the narrator is almost points that out exactly, you know, like this was the year that we had some of our best moments and then some of our worst yeah. moments. and is really powerful yeah and it's such an important summer for all of them like they're in their 30s now and it's like that summer when they were 12 like so many things happen that they're always going to remember that specific summer in that specific place mm -hmm. so we had kind of jumped into talking about that this is you know fiction and you had mentioned that this was kind of the start of a project but were you always kind of writing was that something that you have started doing when you were younger and then developed more or did you find it later in life kind of what was your journey to you know publishing your first work I have been writing since I was 10 years old I entered an essay competition in elementary school the the prompt was the person I admire the most and I wrote this essay about my mom and it won, like mm -hmm. it won the, the whole like school competition. Yeah. And I had to read the essay in front of the school in like a assembly. And in the Chicago public schools, the, the auditorium is the gym. They just pop up some chairs, you know? And, mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm 10 years old and I'm reading from this little essay and no one is talking. Like you could hear a pen drop. And I think even as a 10 year old, I understood that people could be, they could check out, they could, you know, other 10 year olds, like they could, you know, be making fun of me or kicking each other, like whatever, but they were, it was like such a captive audience. And I think it just kind of did something to me that like something I wrote, people were interested in listening to. And so I just like, I had a friend at the time, we would write really bad poetry. I mean, I know it's bad now, but we, <laughs> we, write, we write poetry mm -hmm. and then we would like share it with each other. We keep journals and I just, I have been just writing for so long. And I think when I got to college and took that first like English class and had to write essays and use like, you know, special formatting and things like that. I just like loved it so much and it came so easy to me that like I started to write short stories and polish them. And yeah, it just, it's been like a journey. I've just been writing for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And then it just got better and better because you know, you look at your old stuff and you're like, what in the world is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was, um, I talked with another author earlier this summer and he had mentioned how some of his first forays into writing were um, <laughs> along the lines of fan fiction and, yeah. you know, looking back at some of those and, you know, how rough it is, but. Yeah, you have to start somewhere though and then you just keep working on it. Mm -hmm. So for this year, for the Lit Festival, I had mentioned right at the beginning, yeah. every year they do a different theme and this year the theme is crossroads. So how do you see your book fitting into the theme? When I think of the word crossroads, it just sort of reminds me of like intersections or sort of people coming back together. And one of the most important parts of this book is just that like these characters do find each other again. There's this point in their lives when they're young, when all these things happen, and then they sort of 
they're gonna uh, go off on their own and uh, maybe even forget about each other and then they'll be reconnected and so i just think like there's this theme of like revisiting your past reconciling with people going back to moments of tension and deciding if you're going to forgive people and so i just think that's a theme running through the book and then i'm actually teaching a workshop on voice uh, at the festival and one of the things like voice comes out of i think it comes out of place it comes out of culture like you can write something but then when you go back and revise it you'll have to figure out who's actually telling the story and how they're going to tell it and i think in order to do that you spend a lot of time like looking at your history and again sort of reconnecting and intersecting with people and places and so i'm hoping that like that'll that that'll be like a great way to stay on theme this episode of the door county pulse podcast is brought to you in part by door county medical center are you looking for a job in door county with excellent benefits culture and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. So we had talked about earlier how this was kind of a combination of your experience plus kind of told histories of people that you knew and that this isn't necessarily like a researched piece, but bringing in kind of these elements of like personal experience and, you know, true historical happenings. How do you find that balance of interjecting what you have experienced and what others might have seen from the outside? Yeah, I am uh, a very messy writer. And this is what I enjoy most, that you sit down at your computer with an idea and then you just push it. And so I knew I wanted to explore what these girls experienced in the summer that their building was going to come down. And I just kind of like, once I realized like who was going to tell the story that like Fifi would be the narrator, I don't plan a whole lot. I don't think a whole lot. I just sort of write. Mm -hmm. And I think the history and these places, like I know Chicago like so well, like I just, it's just in my soul and Mm -hmm. these places and even like Chicago's once upon a time, Chicago had like a calendar. It's still kind of in place. Like, you know, that St. Patrick's Day is the kickoff of like people coming outside. Yeah. <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. it's just like, it just like keeps going. And you've got things like Lollapalooza that's like, that is now added to our calendar. But back in the day, like I could tell you from March until December ending in like the big parade on North Michigan Avenue. And so when I sit down to write a story and it's set in Chicago, I know that I have those places and those events in my toolbox. And so I don't think so much about whether it's fiction or nonfiction or whether they're experiences that I had or not. I just kind of sit down and write. And then I'm surprised about the stuff that makes it in. Like there's a scene in a neighborhood called Roseland mm-hmm. and it's, it's my aunt's house at her street. And I spent weekends over there 
And it's like, I set this fictional story, I like laid it down and it's like a very real place in my memory. And I didn't even know I was gonna use that place, but I just have all these places in my toolbox to just kind of pull out when I need them. And so that's kind of the fun of being a creative writer that I set out to tell a story and like what sorts of things make it into the story. I'm just not sure until I get to the end. So mm-hmm. that happened with this novel too. I just, I don't know, I just think place is so important because it sets up, you've got a character, but then place is often gonna be a character in my work. Um, I'm thinking about the other things that I'm working on. It's just like, we're, we'll be in Chicago a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and I, I don't know, I think it's fun because things change so fast in the city. The architecture, we rename buildings, you know, we close big institutions and I think writing is a way to sort of cement history the way you remember it. Mm-hmm. And then you can go off and have new experiences. But I I hope people will pick up my books and sort of remember the Chicago that I remember. And um, I think our, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, and that reminds me of, I was reading some of the reviews and they had talked about how they grew up in the area and the Robert Taylor homes and the community was a place that they had walked by all the time when they lived down there, but they never really got to see, you know, what the experience was like living in there. And it's just a look into, I think for a lot of people, you know, like you had said, it's all about your experience and another part of the Chicago community. Yeah. And I also wanted to set up this, it's great that residents of the Robert Taylor homes, especially because they were so tall, you could sort of see out and see towards downtown and then, but it's still a limited view, but mm-hmm. then you have the people driving on the Dan Ryan Expressway who could look over and see the buildings. And there was only so much they could see. And then you pick up this book and like, now I've sort of walked you through the interior and like the way of life. Yeah. So it's, and then there are people who like grew up there who write me and say like, I was transported right back to, you know, that time period and where I grew up. And, and that's great because everybody wants to see themselves in literature and, in you know, TV and entertainment and that sort of thing. And very often like people who grow up with not a whole lot of resources, they feel very isolated and they rarely see themselves represented in any sort of positive way. Mm-hmm. You had just mentioned that, you know, you had some people reach out, you know, that have read it. Have you gotten a lot of reception or feedback on that from people who used to live in that community? Yeah, and it's always, um, there's a woman who's in Houston. She's opened like a really big bookstore. She grew up there. And so of course she was like over the moon that there was a book about like her community. Yeah, And then, yeah, people write me or they come to events and they're just like, I grew up there or maybe their parents or grandparents grew up there. And so it always just like warms my heart. I mean, my, the first test was like letting my younger sister read it. And because, you know, she's not, uh, she's a very honest woman (laughs) and and i think for her it was like it also was like almost a little too close to home because if you could imagine living in a place where things were pretty dangerous and and traumatic and to just sort of like walk back into that world in such a vivid way she couldn't like she originally like couldn't even make it through the entire manuscripts and had to like take a beat and then go back and, and finish it and for me that was like 
the biggest affirmation mm -hmm. that I sort of got it right, you know, really trying to explain like what these hallways look like, what the physical geographical space look like, and then also the sort of way of life and how we function and survived in those mm -hmm. buildings. And so she was like my first uh, test of like, did I nail this? Yeah. So yeah, it's been um, it's been really great hearing from folks who knew the space and even like family members who who lived there. Um, I had like cousins because my grandmother moved up from Mississippi and then her sisters eventually followed her. So at one point or another, they all lived in Robert Taylor homes mm -hmm. and her sisters sort of moved out before she did. But that means like I have extended family that are all sort of connected to the Robert Taylor homes yeah. and just hearing from them, like it was really, it was really great. Mm -hmm. You had, you know, mentioned your sister there. When writing this, was it difficult for you to you know, really delve back into this? I don't think so. Um, I have had like a, I've had some really great distance from this story. And then my specific story, mm -hmm. um, I joke that you guys are going to have to wait for my memoir someday <laughs> because, because this is not, it's not my story. Yeah. I think, I think my grandmother's story of coming up from the South and moving into specific parts of Bronzeville, I definitely like leaned heavily on that just because the system of coming up from Mississippi on a very specific train and just like that, I feel like that, that was such a shared experience for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so there's definitely that, but I think going back Going back into those buildings, like there were times when it really was not fun to write about the kind of things that happened there, to smell those scents and to just like, you know, for the sake of the story to like really dive back in and make it feel real and make it something that people could see, people who had never been in spaces like that. Mm -hmm. There were times when like that wasn't so fun uh, to be back in those buildings. But I think focusing on the story and the story that I was creating, I think it helped balance things out. Yeah, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, again, it's like, this isn't my specific story. Yeah. So, so there was like a nice amount of distance from it. Yeah. And for me, it was very interesting. You know, I'd, didn't grow up in the Chicago area, but both of my parents grew up in the you know Chicago area. My mom's from Oaklawn, and my dad grew up yeah. in the Austin district. And um, okay. you know they were going to school. You know, born in the fifties, so they had you know been going to school during when schools down there were being integrated, and you know yeah. all this kind of stuff. So we have you know gone down there a lot, and it feels kind of like a second home for me, just because you know, we had a lot of family down there and it was like you had said, getting kind of an insight into what life was like in there. And for me, I thought it was something that obviously I've not experienced myself. And I found that it was both beautiful and scary. I don't know if that's the mm -hmm. right, but like yeah. there is this sense of community of being with people that understand. And, you know, you have these groups of kids that, you know, are playing together and, sort of families that to some extent support each other while also dealing with kind of that negative side of taking all these people and putting them into these less than ideal situations. So Yeah, and at one point it was a lovely place yeah. where people raised families and had community and there were trees and there were sort of play areas for kids. It's just that in my lifetime that's not 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's those are not the rubber trail homes that my siblings and I grew up in. Yeah. But my mom was raised in a very lovely, you know, in the rubber trail homes when they were at their like loveliest, you know, point. So I'm gonna hang out in the story world for a few more books, I've decided. And I think you're gonna get to see what the Robert Taylor homes were like in nineteen sixty four when they when things were like new and sparkly and yeah. and everybody was still very hopeful. So I'm sort of excited to to jump into that story world. Yeah. So you're working on more things kind of in this same world as this first one. Yeah, I think um, I think we're going to go back to State Street and then uh, spend some time with the girls like um, with their parents, like in their parents generation when they were young adults, because these families are like so connected. Like when we meet when we meet them and we meet their parents, um, they don't have a relationship. But once upon a time, they were friends. And so I think it's going to be really fun to to write that story. Yeah. Yeah. Upcoming works coming by toy. <laughs> Keep an eye out. Coming soon. <laughs> coming soon uh, to a bookstore near you. Yes. <laughs> I also kind of wanted to, we had brought this up a while ago and then continued on, but I wanted to touch on this a little bit. You had kind of mentioned the editing process and how, you know, you were kind of surprised at how things kind of came together or what bits of information kind of stayed in the story. What was the editing process in working with the publisher like? This has been a very long road. It took me about 15 years to pull this manuscript together because it sort of started out as like three short stories. I would have an exercise. So I attended a, um, like my bachelor's degree is in creative writing. And so I have been in sort of a writer's boot camp, if you will, uh, for years. <laughs> and yeah. undergrad writing assignments, I would return to these girls in these buildings, but they were like sort of separate stories. Mm-hmm. But they were always a combination of the four girls. So maybe just two of them or three of them were in a story. And then I realized like this wants to be a novel. Like I keep returning to this place with these kids. And I sort of combined books because there was another book about a boy who was dealing with like pressure from a gang. And, you know, he hadn't even decided who he wanted to be. And the police was sort of, they were sort of telling him that he was a criminal and then these gangs were coming for him. And by the time I was in graduate school, my thesis advisor said to me, like, you're not going to like this, but I think you should put these books together. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been like such a crazy road with this manuscript. And then I was working with with an agent and then I realized she wasn't the right fit for me. And then maybe seven years later, I started working with a brand new agent who's my current agent, who's amazing. And then she's like very like a heavy editorial agent. So Mm -hmm. we revised the manuscript for two years, the two of us. (laughs) And of course, over those two years, like, there's no pressure, like, I need you to get this back to me. Like, so there would there would be times when like, I wouldn't talk to her for half a year, and then I'd send her, you know, a revision. But by then, like, you know, after two years, the manuscript was so tight that when we sent it out, the editors that I I was in conversation with, they didn't need changes because I revised it like for so many years. And so I think it just, it was such a journey, but I think you know when something is ready. Mm -hmm. And I think going into another book, I'm going to work just as hard and I will want the manuscript to be just as tight before we approach editors. But yeah, it's just, I think I have, I have writer friends who like, 
started on something and then they just kind of like tossed it in a drawer and started writing something new but i'm like not that kind of writer i'm just going to mm-hmm. stick with it until it's ready to go out the door yeah. and so yeah I, I don't think it'll take me 15 years to write another book but <laughs> but i think i had a teacher who reminded me that like over those 15 years i was learning how to write uh and i think she's correct you know it's i was living my life i was traveling i had all these experiences i was growing up with this manuscript and so oh. it's always gonna be really special because uh we've been through a lot together yeah i was gonna say does it feel bittersweet a little bit to you know let it yeah. launch onto the world yeah i mean well usually this is the part where writers get really sad because they're mm-hmm. just like i have to leave these characters i'm like but i'm not leaving them anytime soon yeah <laughs> like well, i i just wrote a tv pilot like oh I, really I, I would hope yeah i would hope that this would um, become a tv show yeah and so i just think these characters are going to hang out in society for uh years to come if i can help it yeah so is there anything else that you would really want people to know about your book and your work? You know, I really hope I didn't set out to like solve any specific problems or make this a manifesto, but you know, in conversations on the book tour, I've heard a lot of questions about like intention, like what was my intention? And my intentions were very basic, like let's explore gentrification through the eyes of a little black girl. Mm -hmm. But what I would really love, I'd love for people to read this book and to like have conversations with people in their inner circles about what they experienced, what new questions they've sort of drawn since they've been exposed to this, this story world or this community of people who they probably have never like interacted with personally. Mm-hmm. I had someone ask me like, she kind of made an assumption. She's like, I see that you've leaned on a lot of stereotypes. And, mm. and like, she, she was asking me about my choice of like doing that. And then I explained to her that oh, some brilliant person just said it. I think it was Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins said that stereotypes come from outside. They don't come from within. Yeah. And so what she classifies as stereotypes, I had to explain to her, these are just people to me. The problem is in the media, these are the only black people that you get to see. Yeah. You don't get to see people like Fifi and Fifi's mom mm-hmm. or the folks who spend time at church and rely heavily on their faith to like move through the world. And what you don't understand is that we live in community with people who are not the same. I grew up around drug addicts and alcoholics, but also like people who were devout Christians and people who were store owners and we all kind of live together in community. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that people will read this book and when they are exposed to like new ideas and new kinds of people, it will help them think differently about people. It will help them think about the ways that we are very similar. Like we all just want to like raise our families, love each other, grow, get closer to God. Like we have some very similar life goals Mm -hmm. and the things that people have questions about or the places where they were most like touched. I really hope, I mean, I think it's great that people like reach out to me on social media and tell me their thoughts about the book, but like, I really hope this book becomes a great conversation piece for people to talk, to have like intimate conversations with the people they know and love and that it will kind of like, it'll spark some, dialogue and eventually spark some changes in areas where people are moved to yeah. to go and make the world better yeah and i can say like i said i 
have been reading this over the last week, and I don't think there has been a day where I have not brought it up to somebody <laughs> and talk about it because a lot of you know like I said my family is all from down in that area my best friend her dad grew up down in one of the suburbs and know Chicago yeah. very well so I have a lot of people that are connected with that area and I've been talking with them a lot more about you know living down there and yeah. all these other conversations and things so that's great yeah well I appreciate you <laughs> yeah <laughs> telling everybody I'm like read this read this you have to read this <laughs> You have to read this. So just again, want to push the Washington Island Lit Festival. If you are interested in meeting Toya, you will be there. There is one day where there's book reading and book signings, but then uh, you are also, like you mentioned, leading a workshop. And you're going to be joined by four other authors as well, all kind of different genres and topics of books, you know, more workshops as well. Um, it's going to be the weekend of September 15th through the 17th on the island. I also, um, the workshop that I'm teaching, it's for all levels of writers. Oh, if good. you just have like an idea, you could still come to this workshop because we're yeah. actually going to write in the workshop. You're going to like oh, write new stuff by hand. So even if you're just like, I kind of wanted to like start that story like this is the place for you we're going to be starting from scratch so (laughs) and then if you've got something already that you've started writing i think you know you come with that same story idea in your head and you'll generate some new pages towards a chapter so uh we're gonna have a good time and you're gonna leave like feeling pretty accomplished nice well there you go (laughs) definitely sign up for that yeah awesome just want to say thank you again for taking the time to join me in chat. Absolutely. You know, and deal with my babbling and back and forth constantly. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everyone again for listening. And hopefully we'll see everyone at the Washington Island Lit Festival. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.